Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL, here with my best friends, Sarah Longwell and Timothy Miller of The Bulwark. We've got indictment number three, three of four. Hopefully, we'll collect the entire set. Uh, came out, five. this is Wednesday, it came Why out Tuesday. Five? You think we can go to five? Yeah. What's your fifth one? What's, what's uh, money? The, we, the we... New York New York fraud. Doesn't that count? The Trump org? We're not counting that one? Oh, the Trump org? Yeah. No, I don't think That's so. That, and also, that wasn't, was that criminal or was that civil? Come on. I, I, it's only I four. I only get four. That's fine. I'm happy with four. Okay, well, I'm not happy. I think this is all very bad. And, uh... Where do we want to start? We want to start with the indictment itself or the reactions to it, because the reactions to it are what really make me very nervous. Let's save that. Because let's save that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So here, here, let's uh, let's do a quick scorecard. Let's go down the unindicted co-conspirators, of which there are six. We believe that unindicted co-conspirator number one is Rudy. Number two is very clearly John Eastman. Number three, Sidney the Kraken Powell. Number four, Jeffrey Clark of the Department of Justice. Number five is the Cheesebro, Kenneth Cheesebro, the lawyer. And number six seems to be a mystery, possibly Steve Bannon. Uh, no, I don't think so. I thought it was a guy named Mike Roman, who's like a longtime kind of Republican Party rat fucker type. But somebody, I saw Paul Blumenthal tweeted that he thought that they, the indictment references someone as the agent who does something that we all know Mike Roman did. So we don't really know. Epst Boris Epstein is another possibility. Oh, it could be Boris mm -hmm. Epstein. That's a good one. So the reason we care about the unindicted co-conspirators is because this is, I believe, the list of people who will be pressured to roll, right? They, they are the ones who will be pressured to cut a deal. That is interesting. We can take away from this indictment that Mike Pence narked. Mike Pence was taking notes the entire time. It's almost like Trump's sitting vice president and governing partner understood the entire time that his boss was a criminal and was trying to protect himself. <laughs> it's amazing. And then we've got four counts of what essentially are like conspiracies to defraud the United States government. Sarah, what are your thoughts? So first of all, I want to give a shout out to Barry Rubin, who has been yes. making like these AI generated audio versions of the indictment since I was listening to it. And it does read a bit like a play with four acts. It's an amazing piece of craftsmanship. But what one of the things that struck me was how much we already knew that was in there, right? Because if you've been watching the January 6th committee hearings and you've been following it, like none of this is a big surprise. I was doing morning edition this morning and they kind of asked me for like, what did you think when you read the indictment? And I, I gave an honest answer, which is sort of a sad answer, which is, I know this will change nothing, even though this is such a the nature of this one is is more serious than the other ones so far. It's different in uh, its breadth and in the severity of what it was trying to do. It's sort of more essential to democracy. I'm really glad this indictment, this one got brought. I would think it was not assured we would get this one around January 6th, which is, again, I think, a testament to the work of the January 6th committee, because I think they put together a case that felt unignorable and they didn't ignore it. There was, I saw Chris Hayes on TV kind of bemoaning the fact that this didn't come sooner, right? That like we knew much of this and like, why did it take so long? I don't know the answer to that, but like if it means that what they have is a super tight case and it feels awfully tight, 
then I'm glad. I'm glad they took their time and did it right. I, I also, one of the things I noticed when I listened was immediately up front, they do not dispute the fact that Trump had the ability that he was, he's allowed as f- part of free speech to lie to people about the election. Like yes. they say that he can lie to people. Uh, and, and that's not what we're trying to get him for. And what's interesting is that he very clearly states that. And yet so many of the people I see defending him are defending him on free speech grounds. I don't know if you saw the NRO's editorial about how like this will not stand. This is the one, this is the one, the Georgia case is like connected to this, right? It's like a piece of the conspiracy. It is him trying to get Brad Raffensperger to find him 11,000 votes. Um, but this is the big one. I just know from, I just did a focus group two days before this came down and we were asking and the indictments are like, they're a blur to people. They cannot tell them apart. People have already made up their minds about January 6th and Trump's level of culpability. So that part is depressing, but yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm going to offer a counter view to both. I don't, I'm not depressed at all or sad, nor do I think that it changes nothing. Um, so I, I will make that case. Can uh, I just say that I don't think it changes nothing. I think it changes nothing in the Republican primary. Oh, I concur with that. If anything, it probably might help them in the Republican primary. Um, but you know, people do get wrapped up by the images of of courtroom dramas, right? Like big cases do enrapture the American public. Um, we're interested in that as a as a people. Casuals are interested in that. This would be, you know, I mean, the, we could we could quibble of whether it's the case of the century or not, but uh, it certainly will be you know one of the biggest cases of you know the last hundred uh, years. And so, uh, you know, having Donald Trump and the reason this is brought now pretty clearly, I, I mean, I, I think there are two possible reasons that we have the six co-conspirators. One is what you laid out, JVLs, that they're trying to get them to roll. The other one, you know, which Andrew Weissman and others have been have been pointing out, I, I think, correctly, is that, you know, turning this trial around requires making it as narrow as possible. Right. And so, you know, if you have six co-defendants, then you have six lawyers and six different people that can, you know, ask for continuances and blah, blah, blah. Right. If you have one defendant, that will help speed things up. Um, and, and the judge that has been appointed to this also um, has been the toughest judge on January 6th defendants. And, and they think we'll be uh, playing ball on that. So, you know, having Donald Trump have to go to trial in the middle of the 2024 campaign after he's the nominee, presumably, I think absolutely, you know, makes a big difference. And and I think that like having to relitigate all this stuff, again, we, the nerds, like January 6th ratings did pretty well. I think people forget like, like the January 6th hearings, it was like Super Bowl and, you know, some TV show on CBS I don't watch. And then like the January 6th hearings, right? So I, I think that this would draw in casuals and has, and has a difference in that front. It's also... Like he fucking deserves to go down for this. He deserves to go down for this. And I and I am very frustrated when you get to the reactions by people. Anybody one centimeter to the right of us, you know, is like, well, these are some novel charges that Jack Smith is bringing, and that maybe it actually isn't as as uh, cut and dry as the documents case. And it's like, well, 
yeah, it's novel. We haven't had a president try to, you know, engage in a conspiracy to overthrow the government before. Like, like what precedent do you want us to turn to? You know, I, I mean, Civil War precedents, right? Like, of course that, that he's using some no- novel thing, you know, and, and this this notion that like, oh, we can't know what's in his mind. And, you know, this person is too, like, is too deluded to be able to understand what he did. I, all that stuff is just absurd to me. We, and, and we can get into the details. But I, I think that it was important that he was charged for this. They are his 75th, 6th, 7th, and 8th felony counts. And I think that, you know, the Republican Party is boxing themselves into him with their response to him right now as we speak. And and I think that it absolutely will make a difference that he'll be on trial for multiple charges next spring and summer. Are you certain of that timing? We're certain that the May date was what was set by Eileen Cannon in, in Miami. So I, I think that gives yeah, us kind of like Yeah, but that was like before a, the amended indictment, right? The superseding indictment. Yeah. So, I bet that one gets pushed. Yeah, sure. It could get pushed, right? But, but I, I just as a rule of thumb, right, like you would... It's clear that this is why Jack Smith is pushing this right now. I, I, he hasn't said that, you know, but I, I don't. I don't think that there's any doubt that that this is coming out when it's coming out because he's trying to get this done before before the election. And so I, I think that May is a good kind of rule of thumb. We, we don't know for sure. I want to prod you a little bit here, Timothy. Okay, great, prod me. Why do you think that this would have any negative consequences for Trump during a general election? Isn't all of this stuff, hasn't it been priced in with Trump from the very beginning? Hasn't everybody Sarah, who's Sarah's ever... Sarah's chopping at the bit. I'm going to do one sentence and Sarah can go. Okay. People have the memory of a gnat. You just see it throughout the entire last nine years. When bad Donald Trump stuff is in the news, his numbers go down. And then like a week later goes by and they're like... Ooh, I'm kind of annoyed by how much eggs cost. And like, was Donald Trump really that bad? I can't remember. So like having this shit in front of their face, like I, it does have a meaningful difference. Not on people listen to the next level podcast or watch it on YouTube, but for, for casuals, for the people that are just, you know, watching sports. Yeah. Can I just say one of the things that contributed to the Ron DeSantis boomlet prior to the 2022 election was also the January 6th committee hearings. The visceral imagery of January 6th, like if that's the central case, like here's the thing. I'm not sure Tim's right. I've basically given up hope that any of these trials take place on the backdrop of a general election. If this January 6th one does, though, I do think that would matter. I think putting the images of January 6th in front of people, having the salience of that be top of mind about Trump, I think that hurts him. But I really agree with Tim. People forget about it all the time. Like, I'm going to quote this guy a lot because I think it's, he said something just really succinctly that I think encapsulates a lot of what I'm hearing from what I'm going to call the backsliders, which is he said, I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to close my eyes and I'm just going to enjoy Trump's economy. Right. And so like there is just enjoy Joe Biden's economy. Well, okay. Uh, but but this is a common sentiment, and this is why in that New York Times Santa poll, Trump and Joe Biden are dead even. It is because there is backsliding for people to think that. I think if you put January 6th in front of those people and hopefully the economy stays in a good place, I think that matters going into a general election. I I'm 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 sorry. My brain is like malfunctioning. I have to ask. Is it the contention of you two, my best friends, that the fact of being told that the man running for president is under multiple criminal indictments is not enough 
to move, just normie voters, that they have to see a trial on TV every day to understand the gravity of it. Because if that's the truth, then this country is populated by fucking idiots. Right? I mean, yeah. no. There are a lot of dumb people out there. I don't. Okay, but also, so a lot of things do, matters what is top of mind to people. But one of the things, I this is this is what you hear from swing voters, people who voted for Joe Biden. They think he is too old. They do not like Kamala Harris. Like, they think he's going to die in office. She'll be president. Like, there is, I'm just saying there's like a lot going on and that right now, in this moment, I think people should be very afraid and I think that Donald Trump can win. That said. Agree. Strong in this agree. moment, in this moment, we are in Joe Biden referendum territory. When we get to the general election and it becomes a choice and Donald Trump is back in people's faces, like right now he's over like crapping out truth things like insane that nobody sees. No normies see that. And the times that he's been sort of mainstream visible lately, like on the CNN town hall, he looked like good for him, right? Like it, it was a perfectly fine performance for him that I think made people be like, oh, he looks pretty good. And yeah, I don't love the mainstream media and I don't like these institutions. And man, I'll tell you, these focus groups, the way that what people say, they're like, so one of the theories that I think a lot of people had was that the accumulation of the indictments, right? Like we like to say the numbers, like there's 70 different counts, whatever, that there's like, the people are like hoping there's this cumulative effect. And under the weight of that, voters would be like, ah, it's just, you know, it's too much. And look, I'm currently running a campaign that's literally like, the guy's got too much baggage. Like there is a group of voters that, that think that. But one of the things that is happening is the way that these indictments are turning into white noise for the voters. They can't tell the things apart. I even had this moment when the superseding indictment came out and I was like, what case is that a part of? Like, is this a new indictment? Like, there's just, it is. And so people, they they were just saying this in the group. Multiple people are like, I don't care. Like this, they're just trying to get him. They're going to keep trying to get him. And there's just another indictment every day. And I don't care. I love how when Sarah gets serious about the indictment in our democracy, she gets a little whisper voice. I was like, it kind of scares, it makes me think about her children. It's like, uh-oh, wait, the yelling Sarah isn't the scary one. It's the whisper voice. It's like, I'm getting serious now. I'm getting serious. I want to just really quick. Yes. Back to your question. People need to get beat over the fucking head with this shit. People need to get beat over the head with the details. And the right, and, and Sarah's talking about the white noise and him being on trial for this stuff. At, at Mike Pence, who, as you pointed out, obviously cooperate here. Most of the new material in this indictment appears to come from Mike Pence. Uh, you know, there are several one-on-one conversations. Mike Pence calling to wish Donald Trump a Merry Christmas for some reason. Donald Trump being like, Mike Pence, why aren't you part of my coup? It's a very, it's a very strange Christmas call, you know, for an AI-generated movie 40 years hence. Uh, you know, kind of a dramatic scene. You can hear the, you know, kind of the Christmas music in the background as they have this call. So... A lot of stu- stuff is there. But look, they need to see the details. I mean, I can't lose Jeff Clark here. Jeff Clark should be in prison. This is my basic number one take right now. Jeff Clark should already be in prison. It's unclear to me why he's walking free. I do not like the fact that the horns guy, you know, is in jail and Jeff Clark is not. That That is like the one area where I agree with like the Steve Bannon podcast. I guess he doesn't agree with the second part. But I, I don't know that the shaman was as an important person to, to prosecute as Jeff Clark. But anyway, here's Jeff Clark. The deputy White House counsel is telling him that, that they're going to have to leave on January 20th, that there has been no proof in the election. And if they don't leave, there'll be riots in every major city in the U.S. Jeff Clark says, well, that's why we have an insurrection act. 
This guy is in the middle of trying to take over the Department of Justice and has a plan to use the military to crack down on protesters that are trying to push for a peaceful transition of power to the rightful winner. I mean, that's fucking lunacy. Mm -hmm. Like this bald guy, like outside in his boxer shorts, outside of his house, you know, like, like looking like pinky in the brain, like trying to fucking overthrow the United States government. Like that is a pretty dramatic scene. Mike Pence testifying against his, his former boss, a pretty dramatic scene, having to relitigate the Bill Barr stuff. Like all of that stuff would absolutely matter. And, and, and you know, I think about the awkwardness that is potential. Jason Miller currently works for Donald Trump. He's the leading spokesman on the campaign. So people are watching this guy go on cable to defend Trump. And then at some point he's going to be subpoenaed and have to testify under oath with the video of him saying that he knew that Donald Trump lost, that the January 6th committee showed where he's like wearing that mask. And we're going to get to see his chin, the chinless wonder without a mask explaining that he knew that, and that he told Donald Trump that Donald Trump had lost. So I, I just like the white noise of the indictments breaks down as you get, as you head towards the general election. But it's not that it's the white noise that breaks down. It's that one pops out, right? One gets to be centered as opposed to, oh, there's a bunch of things and people can't really tell them apart. It's that he is on trial for January 6th and refusing to engage in the peaceful transfer of power. And also, it doesn't hurt that, like, it's a lot of opportunity for people to talk about the fact that Trump lost last time. I mean, it's it, important to note that, like the January 6th committee hearings, everybody who is in this indictment giving evidence against Trump is a Donald Trump supporter and or employee. This isn't Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic deep state who are providing us evidence and testimony of Donald Trump's criminal It's not behavior. even Bill Kristol. It's not even never Trumpers. These are, these are people who worked in many cases like past the election to help Donald Trump. Hirschman, who, uh, <laughs> who, who worked pretty hard to get the Hunter Biden laptop story out in October – Right. I mean, this is a guy. He is the one who went and said, I, I lead the triad with this today. But my favorite moment of the entire January 6th is when Hirschman is saying how he was on the phone with uh, John Eastman. This is on January 7th. Here's Hirschman. I said, I only want to hear two words coming out of your mouth from now on. Orderly transition. I said, I don't want to hear any other fucking words coming out of your mouth, no matter what, other than orderly transition. Eventually... He, meaning John Eastman, said orderly transition. I said, good, John. Now I'm going to give you the best free legal advice you've ever gotten in your life. Get a great fucking criminal defense lawyer. You're going to need it. And then I hung up on him. Again, this is not an ever Trump. He was Trump's lawyer on the first impeachment. And he stood there and watched everything that happened and said, a bunch of these people are going to go to jail. Like, this is... I, yeah. Yeah, they were trying a coup. This is illegal. You know, it's just like this whole thing about, oh, how, you know, Lowry, and, and even the dispatch, Lowry and like random MAGA people, how are you going to prove that Donald Trump knew? It's like, how are they going to prove Donald Trump knew? I don't know. How did the Dominion lawyers prove that the Fox host knew? How did they get $787 million? That, you know, you, you prove it based on evidence. You prove it based on first person testimony. Cassidy Hutchinson said she was in the room when Donald Trump admitted that he lost. Mike Pence is a first person, you know, testifying this. His lawyer his attorney general, his campaign manager, his spokesperson. So there's plenty of opportunity to try to prove this. I was like, this is like if the Madoff, if Bernie Madoff, you know, uh, was his defense was like, I really thought I, we were making that money. 
It's like, what? What, what do yeah. you mean you really thought we were making that money? I, I you can't, this doesn't, this does not work like this. And, 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 and to your point, it is all people that worked for him, people that are uh, credible. Another hero of this indictment is our man, Rusty Bowers, the speaker of the house in Arizona oh, yeah. who comes in here multiple times, voted for Donald Trump, wanted Donald Trump to win, uh, you know, was pressured by Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump wouldn't buckle. You know, now he's a private citizen. So I just totally reject the notion that there is not a ton of evidence here that 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 is both effective politically and and criminally. Sarah, can you explain to me the thinking from some of the Trump defenders, which goes along the line of a Donald Trump is not cognitively capable of understanding reality and truly believed that he won the election. B, we still should elect Donald Trump rather than Joe Biden, even though he is so disconnected from reality that he can't. Can you explain that to me? Because I don't I can't I have to say I can't quite understand how they get from A to B. So this is bad because I become obsessed on this point and it's not anywhere the central point. Like these, this is ephemera, right? These people, their dishonesty and their bad faith is not the central point. However, watching people right now, and it's like all these people who carried water for him, they carried water for him. And then they said on the day of January 6th, impeach him. I remember watching so many of them in that moment, they were like, impeach him. And then they started to walk it back. And then they got on the DeSantis. Like, they walked it back. Maybe we shouldn't impeach. Just, he's gone now. Just leave him alone. He's not president anymore. Whatever. You're it's only going to make they, him stronger if you try that. That's right. That's right. There was never a good time for them to hold Trump accountable. There has never been a moment where they think it is acceptable to hold Trump accountable. That's wrong. There was a one-week window when the Senate was on vacation. Yeah. Oops. Too bad. <laughs> it, was like the, it was like from January 13th to January 20th. We could have done something right then, but uh, oops, unfortunately, the Senate was out of session and Mitch couldn't call him back. JV, I, I want to just kind of watch Sarah's face. Why don't you read her some of your favorites of those reactions? All right, Sarah, we're just going to do, uh, you know, reaction shots. It's like the, the when you did, Jay Leno used to do his jaywalking segments, yeah. right? You know, interviewing man on the street, Hugh Hewitt. I hope the charges brought by the American Javert are thrown out, but the TDS Dead Ender Coalition should listen carefully to what John Laro told Brett Baer last night. The former president will be subpoenaing everyone who had anything to do with the unusual circumstances of the election of 2020. What does that mean, the American Javert? Donald uh, Trump didn't didn't steal a loaf of bread and break a window pane. Well... The thing is that Inspector Javert was right and Jean Valjean was not innocent and falsely accused. He was guilty. I think Hugh maybe not, not didn't read the book. Sean Davis. Just really quick, really quick. I'm sorry. Really quick. TDS dead ender. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Dead end. Like dead end (laughs) till he's dead. I I have TDS. It's like, and and this is like, how are you still using? What does that even mean? Does that mean like, why aren't we over our TDS now? Is that what that means? Like we should be over over it. I don't know if you've noticed, but like it's gotten worse. Not our TDS. He's gotten worse. Like our TDS is totally in sync with how bad he is. And please subpoena me. Please subpoena me, by the way. I'm, I'm, I would love it, Hugh Hewitt. Subpoena everyone that had anything to do with the unusual circumstances. Bring it on. Let's oh, spend the entire 2024 relitigating all, all of your fucking fantasies. 
That's great. Yeah, I didn't go hard enough at the anti-antis for these tweets. I just want to say real quick, like Lowry, baseball crank. uh, These guys are unbelievable. The worst one, though, or not, I don't know about the worst one, but like the one that I was, is Tim Scott. JBL, do you have that one? We're going to get there. Don't go, don't go jumping. Hold hold on. Hold on. Okay. We'll do Tim's side. He's not the worst one. But Tim Scott, who is the great hope now for the normie Republicans. 3%. I remain concerned about the weaponization of Biden's DOJ and its immense power used against political opponents. What we see today are two different tracks of justice, one for political opponents and another for the son of the current president. Hmm. He's very concerned. He's so concerned. I've been saying this all along. I have like, I've had strong Tim Scott's angling only for VP vibes. And this to me was, because that guy absolutely knows better. To me, this was like very, like real confirmation of that. But I also want to say, just this like real triangle of doom stuff. Why do I listen to voters in all of these focus groups talk about a two-tier justice system? Because every conservative media outlet and every Republican politician, the most normal among them, are all pulling that line. This is why Donald Trump's at 54%. He's at 54% because this is how his opponents treat him. Just two really quick things on Tim Scott. Go ahead. Because then I'm going to do my Mike Pence American Savior routine. So just to Hunter Biden, the son of the current president. Just I followed the Hunter Biden stuff pretty closely, maybe not as closely as as, as certain quarters, uh, but uh, I don't recall anybody kind of waving Hunter Biden flags above the Capitol and like kind of stabbing cops with bear mace. I just saw. I just I don't know if this, we got an apple to apple uh, mm-hmm. scenario here. My other thing with Tim Scott is, if Tim Scott was running for president, I go over this in the Not My Party. He could have just convicted Trump. This is the whole thing about the Tim Scott press that's such a farce. Like, his whole campaign is a farce. If you're actually running to win, he had a chance to take his top opponent off the field. He could have lobbied a couple of his pals, and they could have taken him off the field, convicted him. He didn't He didn't do that, and now he's losing by 52 points. So anyway, that, that fucking campaign is a joke. Just remind me about some focus group chatter I got. Let's do it right now. I'm not going to remind you. Do it right now. Give it to us. Okay, so so we we were asking about the indictments. It was the indictment stuff is always the same. Two tier justice system. It makes people want to support Trump. It's mostly people are neutral. Like it doesn't change how they feel about Donald Trump. Then there's always some people for whom it makes them more likely to support Donald Trump. There's almost never anybody who says that it makes them less likely. But the most interesting thing about this group, two time Trump voters, and it's like okay, so other than Trump, who do you like in the race? And it's a bunch of Tim Scott stands. And then Vivek Ramaswamy, and then Stan, one Stan, let's not throw Stan out there. Are I'm telling you. So we had some South Carolina people. We had some South Carolina people, and they loved him. They loved them some Tim Scott. He is a gentleman and a scholar, and he yep. is wonderful, and they voted for him every time he's been up, and they're excited to see him in Iowa. But here's the thing. People are running through it. They're talking about Vivek Ramaswamy. One woman's talking about how she's she goes and she gives money to the underdogs, and I was like, she rattled off some names. There are people in this Republican primary that, like, I don't know who they are. This happened in the Iowa group, too. Larry Someone Elder? Was ta- big no, Larry Elder I know who that is. Perry there's Johnson? A, no, Perry, no. I, big- there's a guy from Texas who's, like, a preacher who's in the race that gets brought up every now and then. I wonder if he'll get more more votes than Will Hurt. Somebody brought up Burgum. Somebody brought up Burgum. Listen, and they're all talking about these people. And I was sitting there being like, nobody's going to mention DeSantis. No one is going to mention DeSantis. And nobody did. And in t- and when the moderator, I was texting the moderator. I was like, oh, my God, no one's saying DeSantis at all. And then I texted Megan and said, you know, 
put it out there. And she was like, well, what do you guys think about this? Like, no one's mentioned DeSantis. That's kind of crazy. And the guy was like, no, I like DeSantis. I like, he's fine. Oh, he's fine. And then somebody else was like, somebody else was like, he's kind of wooden. He's okay, but he's kind of wooden, whatever. And then somebody else was like, I don't know. I think he's kind of sneaky. I was like, this is brutal for DeSantis. He got fined. And then sneaky and wooden. When my mother was dressing for a night out, and she and I, she came out and asked me what I thought about her outfit, and I said it was fine. She was like, "That's the worst thing that yeah. you could say about me that this that I look fine." That was shocking. Where is DeSantis headed for number wise, Sarah? Because I don't think he's touched bottom. Do you? No, I mean seventeen in that New York Times poll, which I think is that New York Times poll is really is good. Like they spend a lot of money and they get a lot of different ways in, in terms of polling voters. Um, so that 17 was like, no, I mean, I think like I told you this before the word on the street is that Scott might overtake him in Iowa. And if, if there's a poll that comes out and does that puts him in third in Iowa. Whew. You think the bottom could drop out on his national number? Yeah. The, here's the thing though. I mean, I, so I think the bottom could drop out on his national number. He's like, I, I, have you seen anything that's like signs of life from DeSantis? No. Uh, people One are ready for another front runner. I think like in these groups too, people, I mean, to have no one even mention him to me, what to not even be in contention was wild. He's usually the first name and has been for a very long time as an alternative. Does anybody ever mention Pence? No. They hate Pence. They hate Pence, as I've said a million times before. And also, I don't know why you're standing for Pence uh, at the or you were hitting him for knowing the whole time that Trump was the worst. JVL contains uh, multitudes. I know he does contain multitudes. OK, let me tell Sorry, you. Can I finish one thought on oh, this, which is only to say that there's nobody else. This is this is where the Republican primary is starting to unravel is I who wants to not leave anything on the table when it comes to taking Trump out. And am willing to put money in to defeat him in this primary. I'm still looking at these guys going, all right, so DeSantis, bottom falls out of DeSantis. Does Scott actually get anywhere near Trump? Nope. There's a really Does good maybe, article in the bulwark of it this week. About I know, I know, I know you're happen. on this. It is much more likely that the primaries devolve into a coronation, kind of like Al Gore versus Bill Bradley, than that it becomes like an actual fight where it's a, a thing. Can we go back to the reactions? I haven't looked at everything, but I'm confident that the, the guys at the National Review, though, they've been pretty, you know, they call balls and strikes over there, you know? And so I thought, I figured they some of them might surprise us with a positive reaction. What do you think, JVL? Hold on. First, I, I'm going to get my Mike Pence thing out, no matter how many times <laughs> you guys try to derail me. Of all the reactions from conservative world last night, the single best and strongest is from Mike Pence. Today's indictment serves as an important reminder. Anyone who puts himself over the Constitution should never be president of the United States. Totally strong, totally unequivocal. Who's he talking? Do you happen to mention who he's talking about? Did he happen to say the name of the person that he's talking about? Today's indictment. He, uh, I mean, it's <laughs> pretty clear. It's pretty clear to me. I mean, I, you know, he certainly was better Would than Chris Christie was Just last to throw night. in. Certainly was better than Trump's Will Hurd. Who who Will Hurd, who starts out by saying, let me let me do a drive on Will Hurd again. So Will Hurd starts out being great. Let me be crystal clear. Trump's presidential bid is driven by an attempt to stay out of prison and scam his supporters into footing his legal bills. Furthermore, his denial of the 2020 election results and actions on January 6th show he's unfit for office. Fantastic. Will Hurd. No love more it. needs to be said. Big thumbs up. Three tweets later. Period. Three tweets later. 
The Trump of 2016 is a far cry from the desperate figure we see in 2024. It's about time that our party, including the 2024 candidates, wake up to the fact that this guy cares only about himself, not our country's future. Unlike in 2016, when he was awesome. <laughs> you know, I, that's that's really I, I understand why he's doing that. It's really important that, you know, he has that in there so that he can appeal to people listening to the Matt Walsh podcast on the Daily Wire. <laughs> and, you know, the people watching Newsmax, who's where the ha- their hair was on fire because they're super they're going to they might turn to him. You never know. That's not why they he's doing it. Him. It's not he's not doing it. To pers- he's not doing it to persuade people. He's doing it to let himself off the hook. The reaction that scares me the most, Sean Davis of The Federalist, the DOJ is a domestic terror organization, and this country will not be a free country until it is defunded and dismantled in its entirety. You cannot have freedom or democracy in a country when its corrupt security services are allowed to indict its opponents. Calling the Department of Justice a domestic terror organization, I mean, if words have meanings is a call to civil war, right? I mean, if if true, if it is true that the Department of Justice is a domestic terror organization, then how could any person of good conscience not take up arms against the federal government? I don't understand, right? Yeah, well, I, here's here's another good one. Sean Davis, that take is closer to the median primary voters' take than Will Hurts. So that's a little, that's a scary, that's a, that's a first scary part to say. It is pretty bizarre that the fact that this is out there has not freaked out more people from the whatever you want to call them, the Tim Scott crowd, the normal crowd. I, like we have already had one attack on the Capitol. Sean Davis is not some under the basement blogger that nobody watches. I, like the yeah. federal, you know, many Federalist people go on Fox News. I, I, he, Sean Davis uh, worked for people in the Senate. Um, they have a, they have a big audience you know, at, at the Federalist, and, and to be out there making comments that like make Cory Bush's comments about the police look look very well modulated and and well considered. I mean, he wants to dismantle the entire Department of Justice. Like this is the the Law and Order Party um, in its entirety. Uh, you know, so like you're not yeah. putting words in his mouth or anything. Yeah, this is no, the Law the and Order that we should not have any federal police. And yet, Sarah, it is true that swing voters see Republicans as the Law and Order Party. Correct. I mean, this is just a thing that we see in every single election when you break out the cross tabs. It's true. I mean, I don't think that they quite equate the Department of Justice, uh, which is a big federal agency, with like beat cops. Um, sure, but the FBI goes after some pretty serious criminals. They talk about law and order. What they mean are local cops being able to beat black people. That's I'm what not, they mean I'm not, by I'm law not defending and order. them. I'm just saying that, like, this has become part of what Republicans do now is they just, like, say they're going to dismantle all the agencies. Right? Like, this is, like, everybody's platform now is I'm going to fire Chris Ray and we're going to... We're going to get rid of the Department of Education and we're going to get rid of the Department of... Tim Scott is on board for firing Chris Ray on day one. Yeah. That's all they do is talk about all the organ- the things they're going to dismantle. How are we going to arrest the child traffickers? I'm sorry. Can we just can I can I kind of like get a QAnon? How do we square the circle on QAnon here how, without a federal sheriff, without any federal cops? No, the sheriff will do right. The what's Barney the, Fife is going to break up the child what is the, trafficker. The Claremont people have like the constitutional sheriffs or something. They have a term of art for what they want sheriffs to be. Right? They want they want them. But this is literally true. They believe that 
sheriffs are the answer because sheriffs are law and order people who are directly elected by the people. And so that is their vision of law and order. I, who could, I wonder it's why. Scary. I, I, I'm sorry. I've been joking. I just think it's worth just saying one sentence that it, it is absurd. It is extreme. It is ridiculous. It's also scary. It's also scary. I, I just like the... It wasn't that long ago we had the, you know, one-off person that went to the FBI office and where was it? Cincinnati or whatever. And like, we're going to have these sorts of things happening again. Also, uh, just considering how irresponsible the level of commentary is, if there is a Trump trial around January 6th going into 2024 election, I don't know, man, we could be headed for a really, a really yeah. dark period. Yeah. Not not just not just the idea of Don, really electing Donald Trump, which is extremely dark in itself, but just even the run up to it and the way that this country. I feel like I just need to say though, because there's one good thing about that is that there are about a thousand people that we're gonna that we're gonna be at the top of the list of creating trouble that are already in jail. And so, yeah. you know, while I made the comment about how I wasn't sure, you know, like I do think that you know maybe the prioritization of the shaman was was maybe wrong. Like taking out the violent people. Um, at, that were there on January 6th has made a difference. Is that a little bit of a chilling effect? In I think it's made a difference too. I really agree with this. And they say it, like it's in like, I've seen some of their like chats that have popped up. It's like, yeah. this is a trap. They want us to riot. They want us to go in. Yeah. So like, but I don't know, once you get into a trial. Here's the problem. Uh, the only way this goes away is with a public repudiation of the big lie by elite Republicans. And a repudiation that continues until enough Republicans in like in the, you know, on the front lines believe it too. So long as the big lie exists, like that's the poison tree. Because anybody who said like that means that we are living in an autocracy, right? If the big lie is true, if it's true that the election was stolen, then Joe Biden is an unelected dictator. And everything else flows logically from that. You can't. Until this is leached out of, like, the body politic, there is no peace. There is no comedy. There is no way in which everybody gets along again. And I don't think Republicans start to go and do that until they lose really big. And I don't think they can or will lose really big. I don't think it matters. I, you know, again, entirely possible Donald Trump wins while under indictment. That's just the way the country is made up. We are polarized so heavily that, you know, like landslides just aren't possible anymore. Like a five or six point election is about as, as big as you can get. And that's on the Democratic side. Uh, Republicans have almost no chance to win a majority, but they don't need to, right? If they, if they get within two or three points, that's close enough. They'll win the Electoral College. So one of the things that I've, it's always stuck with me is about how the people who stormed the Capitol thought they were fighting for democracy, Right. That they would say this election was stolen. This is 1776. This is why I have to show up. This is why I'm here, because if you don't fight like hell, you won't have a country anymore. And I think that this idea of the DOJ is like weaponized against us. Right. There's a two tiered justice system. It isn't just a what about. It's a moral case. Right. They have a, they have their own moral case for why they are correct why they are sort of morally correct to pursue this, why Donald Trump is being unfairly targeted. And because I got to say, there is something that feels like I'm, I'm glad Trump's being indicted. And I think we have no other choice. And I think we've all argued about this now for a long time. And I'm, I'm comfortable with that. He is the leading contender 
Like he is Joe Biden's most likely political opponent. And that is also an unprecedented thing. And I know how it's landing with Republican voters, this idea that Trump's being targeted by Joe Biden. And this is the thing that will be hammered over and over again that I think might have some legs with people. Joe Biden was watching a movie last night, Oppenheimer, during when the indictment came down. Very strange. I, I hear you. I know. I agree that that's how these people feel. But it's just it's wrong. And we have to con we continue to like I, like what I, I have to kind of indulge their fantasies. Like, why do we have to continue indulging their fantasies? The gr grand juries have regular people on there that decide whether or not these things can go forward. Everyone knows that. Kevin McCarthy knows that. Tim Scott knows that. Ron DeSantis knows it. Vivek knows it. These people are not fucking idiots. Like, it's not like they just fell off the turnip truck and they're confused. They've been watching Steve Bannon's podcast and now they're running for president and they think that that Joe Biden is orchestrating this attack on his political opponent like, like we're a third world country. Like that's not what is happening. All these guys know it's not what's happening. They're lying. Well, they're so lying. I, I know you know all that. I'm just, I'm just saying like I don't know what we're supposed to do about that. How are we supposed to be more generous to them and, and, and more – thoughtful about like the perspective that they're coming from when everyone that speaks to them is is bald-faced lying about what's happening. Yeah, although something just occurred to me that if there is a trial and a verdict going into the general election, the chances of Trump being acquitted also are not zero. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. For sure. Which could help him, you think? I don't know. The fact that yeah. he's like not guilty or hung jury. And this is why I was not in a champagne popping mode because I think every possible timeline that emerges from where we are today is a bad one. Except it's I don't think there's anything good. Um, and, you know, maybe some of them are less bad than some of the others. But we are not at bottom yet. We haven't gotten to things are as bad as they're going to get. Now we're turning around. This is not a moment where the scales are going to fall from people's eyes. And they're going to say, geez, you know what? That guy really is a crook. I voted for him twice, but I'm. Mm, this is no good. That's not happened. That's not on offer. And uh, boy, howdy, it all goes downhill we from might here. Might be a bottom. Before we go, can I can I rant about Tom Cotton? Yeah, go ahead. See what Tom Cotton's reaction to this was. This is the thing that fucking drives me crazy. This just goes back to my last point about like what are we supposed to do? Oh, these, do you want me to read it or do you say? want to read it? Read it. I want to point out that every time a Republican has won the presidency in this century, only twice, the Democrats tried to stop the certification of that victory, yet none of them face criminal charges. See, it's all the same, Tim. Same, same. Fuck you, Tom Cotton. Like, this is just so fucking crazy. Like, Tom Cotton went to Harvard. He knows better. Like, do, do we have pictures of, of Barack Obama sitting with Donald Trump, helping him with the transition, shaking his hand. Al Gore lost after the Supreme Court had to make a decision. The election was so close. Do we have video of Al Gore conceding responsibly to George W. Bush? Do you have any video of people with Al Gore flags storming the fucking Capitol, spearing Capitol police? No, none of that shit happened. Donald Trump didn't do an orderly transition. Donald Trump didn't concede. He didn't congratulate his opponent. He didn't have the people that worked for the government work on the work on the transition. Donald Trump sicked a mob at the Capitol 
that cause deaths to try to intervene with the transfer of power. Like, like there, uh, you know, the, the fact that Barbara Boxer, you know, didn't vote to certify the Ohio votes, it's like bad on you, Barbara Boxer. But this very indictment says at this at this top, this is why Ted Cruz isn't being indicted. If you want to compare Barbara Boxer to something, you can compare him to Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. This is why they aren't being indicted. You have a right as a senator to take stupid votes based on lies. Right. Like like that is not that is not illegal. You do not have a right to plot to overturn the government. That's what Donald Trump is. Tom Cotton knows the fucking difference. The people that work for Tom Cotton know the fucking difference. And they're putting that out there and they are culpable. And they are the reason why Donald Trump is winning by 40 points in this primary. They're the reason why he's allowed to run again, why he hasn't been convicted. They're the reason why these voters that Sarah is talking about think that the country is being stolen from them and that they're on the right side. Tom Cotton knows better. That is fucking wrong. It is not true. And and, and like nobody in the Republican Party on Fox at National Review, anywhere in these conservative Inc. spaces is is willing to say the truth to these people. And I am happy to come debate any of them. None of them will have us on in any of these places to talk about this. They sit in their fucking safe spaces and talk about how we have TDS. And it's insane. Donald Trump should be indicted for this. this. It is unprecedented. What he did was treasonous. And I just, I'm just so fucking sick of this that they can play their word games and like try and get away with it. And like that is the shit that pisses me off way more than like what the I don't you know what the crazy people are saying. Well, no one's gonna top that. Yeah, we should just leave it there. Good show, long show. Hey, listen, we went we Barry Rubin, our boy, went and created a audio version of the indictment. If you just want to listen to it, it's fantastic. Um, really, it's like an audio book. It's on YouTube. We're going to have a link to it right here. Go listen to it and uh, hit the thumbs up, subscribe, do all the things, and just get ready. Gird your loins because it's going to be a long, long year and a half in front of us. Guys, good show, long show. We'll see you on Sunday.